remember that you'll ever do Two can be as bad as one It's the loneliest number since the number one experience you'll ever know yes it's the saddest experience you'll ever know because one is the loneliest number that you'll ever do one is the loneliest number that you'll ever know Hello, everybody. Welcome to the film room. We have a guest with us. Hello. <laughs> yes, Mr. Mr. Mason Daniel. Yep, good friend of Austin and Albert uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. So, send a file like the both of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think uh, we've had talks of having you on for quite a while now. Yeah, I mean, it didn't feel too long. I mean, I know you guys have your schedules, so I was, uh, oh, yeah, I was yeah. patient enough. We have 52 op- opportunities a week, and or a year, and really more, because we do a number of minisodes. Oh, yeah. So, um, and we're covering the movie that, really, anybody who follows Mason on Twitter, <laughs> there's one there's one filmmaker that it was kind of inevitable that we would have him on to discuss. Huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan, so we're going to discuss Magnolia today. Yay! <laughs> a movie which, until last night, I had not seen. Yep, and I was very eager. I was actually like, I, I was actually watching the movie around the same time you were, so I wasn't keeping up with your right. Facebook messages. But after like I got done watching it, I went back and like, yep, I knew he'd like it. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. this is a movie that I actually saw. It occurred to me as I stopped and thought about it last night. I probably saw it when it came out on video, day one, probably either day one or day two. Some within the first week, I definitely saw it on video. This was one that I was really eager to see. Uh, when I was uh, 16, it was back in 2000 when it came out on video, mm-hmm. because I loved Boogie Nights. Yeah, I was going to say, you were a Boogie Nights fan by then. Yeah, yeah, because I saw Boogie Nights when it came out on pay-per-view. Um, I uh, uh, That was one that you would think when I was 14, I watched it for the nudity, but yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I watched it for the quality, and yeah. that's one that's one of my favorite movies to this day. And yeah, oh, absolutely. I own that one. Yeah, I own all I own all PTA's movies. Like I'm just waiting for a Blu-ray release of Punch Drunk Love because that's just a crime. Why does that's that not exist? Right? Doesn't have a Blu-ray release. Nope. Ah, and it's such a that was that's one that would look so gorgeous on it, right? Too. Like if Magnolia didn't exist, that'd be my favorite movie of all time, Punch Drunk Love. That's yeah. the first. That's the first movie of Anderson's I had seen. Really? Oh yeah. wow, that's it. And I didn't even know who I was watching. I mean. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so unique. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. it's still kind of underrated. Even though it's, like, I so. kind of considered a great movie, like, there's still parts of it where, like, wow, people don't give it enough credit. Yeah. I, you know, uh, my uh, my friend Cameron uh, did, uh, is doing a series of comedic video essays on filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And he did one on Paul Thomas Anderson, which I will not spoil the joke of. But, yeah, I, I watched a video essay on it talking about how the fight scene in the movie 
is done and you really appreciate how phenomenally shot it is. It is. I mean, the whole movie's phenomenally shot, but, you know, certain sequences, you're like, wow, like, how the hell do they do this? I mean, in that moment, you really kind of wonder what Adam Sandler's career could have been like if he'd gone in a serious right? direction. Because he, he actually really learned from it. Like, yeah, oh, this, that whole movie is just a giant, oh, because... I think Sandler only really got that magic back one more time, as far as I'm concerned. With funny uh, people? Yeah. Yeah. I still haven't yeah. seen that, but... Oh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Oh, so I was going to say, um, I have my own little personal story with seeing Magnolia for the first time, even though it, it kind of jumps through time, actually, where I, yeah. I had I had a VHS... Yeah, right. I had a VHS copy of Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, and one of the previews was the first teaser for Magnolia, and as a kid, like, you know, I would watch the previews for, like, videos, and, like, I just, as, like, an interesting, I'm like, okay, that movie looks kind of interesting, even though I never watch it. But then, after I watched There Will Be Blood, like, back in 2008, I'm like, oh, wow, this Paul Thomas Anderson guy, he's cool. So when I ch- checked out Magnolia, I'm like, wait, this movie looks really familiar. Like, yeah. not because I've seen, like, a pic here and there, but, like, and then, like, after I watched the movie, was blown away, loved it. I checked out, like, the special features and the previews. I'm like, what? That's the preview i watched like a billion yeah. times as a kid like th- this movie has been with me like it's it's almost like i was destined to watch this movie like, yeah Damn. That, it imprinted it, itself on you it did like it it, it pretty much like pre- prepared me it's like hey we're gonna instill this these images in you and, and when the time comes you're about to digest them for all they're worth i'm like wow it's yeah. awesome well, I'm just going to get it out of the way right now i think this is probably the best film we've ever covered on this cast to date that could yeah been. Oh, Albert, you just saw last night, and you agree? Yeah, I could agree with that. <laughs> nice. I mean, and that really says things. I mean, yes, okay, we've covered a lot. We've covered Cool Cat and uh, God's <laughs> yeah. Not Dead, which the bottom I'm barrel still bitter. Yeah, like we cover movies on this cast for which, when I hear people name um, Jupiter Ascending as the worst movie they oh, saw last God. year, Jesus Christ. I'm like, I'm like, congratulations on having a good year, or. Yeah, Chappie was the worst thing I saw last oh, year. Jesus. Congratulations, your year was awesome. Yeah, right? It's like, if that was the worst movie, you had a great year. <laughs> also, Chappie's, Chappie's, really Chappie's really good. Like, I actually might prefer it to Elysium, actually, because, you know, Elysium, like, it still kind of reeks of, like, the white savior kind of thing, even yeah. though it looks amazing conceptually. But Chappie, I think, is just a great subversion of a lot of tropes. So. Oh, it is. And, and I have a theory that I think Blomkamp probably didn't necessarily want to go with Matt Damon, but the studio, oh, really? Might... Yeah, that, I... yeah, I believe that too. Because you know, everyone else in the cast was of of ethnicity, of a different ethnicity. So yeah, I, I, I can I can believe that. I think he probably like I know his first choice was Eminem. Oh, really? I forgot yeah. about that. Wow. But but I think that even then, that was still him going. Well, I don't really want a white guy, but if I have to, let me go interesting. And yeah. then it was like, if I can't, okay, who can I sell this on? Because if you realize, because you look back, the villains are are white. Like yeah. Jodie Foster and I guess Shalto Copley's, I mean, South African, but you know, he's, he's, he's white. still a white guy, but yeah. Dutch descent, so yeah. Pretty much, yeah. But no, yeah, you're absolutely right. I didn't even think about that, but yeah. So yeah, anyway. I mean, I, no, but we've covered some real drag. Um God's Not Dead, I'm still pissed off about. Um, oh yeah, like, I'm not sure if it was on cast or off, but we, uh, compared to, yeah, it's trying real hard to be Magnolia, but we it's definitely, not. It's on, it's on. Okay, well, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if you want to admit, uh, well, well, I'll save it for later. Like, I have a lot of thoughts on, like, movies like Magnolia. But yeah, we'll, yeah, we're going to get Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So go uh, ahead. Absolutely. But yeah, but I mean, I, but, but we've also covered some really great films. And 
I mean, of course, I know that some classic cinephiles are going to be like, you're saying Magnolia is better than The Godfather? Yes, without blinking, I am. Yes, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I love The Godfather. I, I think it's a superb film. I like I, it. I mean, I, I still have to warm up to it, but I just, I've seen it like three times. I'm just like, yeah, it's still kind of... I think you warm. I think you need to. I think it, it's a movie that age really does kind of help. I think. I, I think I like it the more that I get older. Yeah. I still have some problems with it, but I I, I do genuinely admire it. And oh yeah, I, I mean I admire it definitely. It's just that like as a movie, like I just don't love it. I mean I love it. I guess I love it technically, but I just you know I enjoy it. But you know yeah. it's, I don't adore it like most people do. But I am. But but yeah, this really. I mean, really and truly, this is. Yeah, this is this is this is. The best. This is the best. And I mean, so I think before we get into the movie, let's just do a quick rundown of the backstory on it. Because it does have kind of an interesting backstory. It does, actually. Um, Mason, since you're the guest, why, why don't you share what you know about it? Oh, absolutely. And and uh, I meant to say this earlier, but I feel honored to have you guys on for, uh, on the show for uh, this subject. Because I feel like I'm treated as an expert on this. So it's, it's yeah. a cool feeling. So, <laughs> so you were invited. <laughs> I know, right? So th- thank you guys very much. I feel very flattered. So, but no, yeah. Um, so, like I said, I shared my personal experience of how I discovered the movie. But when I read about the movie, so you know, after Boogie Nights, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson, after like all the Oscar stuff, like he, he you know, he was kind of su- a success. The studio was like, oh wow, this kid's cool. So but I should interject one interesting thing about Boogie Nights. Oh, go ahead. Anderson contractually was obligated to deliver a two-hour cut. Oh, really? Yeah, he was contractually obligated. However, the finished film runs two hours and uh, 30 minutes minutes because Anderson went to the studio and said, look, I can't cut it. This movie is not going to work if you cut it to two hours. You have to see that this movie really does work in this length. And they sat down, they watched it and they said, yeah, we agree with you. We'll let you have your cut because it's a better movie. Oh, cool. Yeah. And in fact, that. That actually feeds into another tidbit of the story behind Magnolia, but I'll get to it. So, so yeah, after Boogie Nights, you know, it's a big success Oscar-wise, award season-wise. He's like, okay, well, my next project is going to be this. And, you know, you got mo- a lot of the same cast from Boogie Nights back. And now the big drive behind the movie was that um, he wrote the script while he was uh, in a – I think it was in some kind of shack or like a house out in the woods yes. with William H. Macy. And uh, so – and. At the time, I think either at the time or right before, his dad was uh, dying of cancer. Yes. And so, of course, when you see the movie, you realize how much of that he he, he pulled from. And so when he was getting the movie made, in fact, there, um, if you go check out the special features on either the DVD or the Blu-ray for Magnolia, there's this really great uh, documentary of, yes. of making of it. Uh What's it called again? Like it's that moment. Called, that moment, and it's amazing. Like it's, it's, it's about such ninety a good, minutes too. Yeah, it's, but the thing is, it's such a unique, like fly in the wall documentary. Like it doesn't take the, the usual EPK route. It's so honest. So you'll get to see like his creative process through there. But anyway, um, so yeah, when he was making the movie, like you know, he was actually having like you're 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 telling that story about you know the two and a half hour cut of Boogie Nights. He was talking about how he had to fight the studio to have this movie be the three hours that he wanted. And during the, the, the that moment documentary, you get to see him kind of like, you know, kind of vent about the studio wanting him to like, like, why is this guy making a three hour movie? Like we, we give we give him all this money for his big success and he's going to blow it all on this. It's like, but when you look, look at all the pieces and when you see the movie, you realize that like, wow, like he's just laying his heart out bare. And mm-hmm. like this movie really shows. And 
and, and I'm sorry, like I don't care if like you think the movie's like pretentious or overlong or anything. It's not. You have to re- no, but you have to realize it came from a, a, a genuine place. He he pulled it from his dad dying of cancer and all sorts of stuff. So you're like, he was not trying to be like you know showy. Like he's 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 actually like laying out some genuine emotion here. So I I, I view the story of him making the movie as just a really great inspiration because it just shows how you can get all the right people together and just have pull from like a place of pain and still turn out what you think is like a great piece of art and hopefully people will respond to it the same way but people should because you know they should at least admire how how passionate he was to get that story out and to this day he considers it the best movie he's ever made or ever will make so i i agree yeah, yeah. <laughs> though not for lack of trying, though not oh, for absolutely. lack of yeah. trying. Yeah, this movie very much it is a a very personal. It's there is such a raw sincerity and emotion to this movie. There's oh, no man. ironic distance in this movie at all. Nope. Not for one second does this movie view its characters from any point of judgment or of right, which is so refreshing because usually when you have movies like this and we're going to get into this later yes, on we will. <laughs> there are you have that where the you can tell the filmmakers are really judging these characters but even the worst of these characters there's this humane eye and that's something that he had on boogie nights as well oh yeah Ooh, yeah that yeah he really loves his characters and really cares about them and doesn't want the worst for them but yeah. Unfortunately, drama being what it is, they must suffer. Um, one thing I will add is that uh, in the making of the film, he uh, at times tried to subvert what the actors wanted. Like William H. Macy pointed out that he doesn't do big emotional roles. So Anderson deliberately wrote him a big emotional <laughs> role. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Um John C. Riley pointed out that he'd never gotten to play a romantic lead and wanted the opportunity to do so. Hmm. So Anderson did that for him. Hmm. And then, of course, there was the great white addition to the cast that probably helped secure the financing, which was oh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yep. And wow, am I going to have so much to say about that character? <laughs> yep. Let's Not just as a character, but like just in terms of like a performance in his career, because. Like yeah. I'll just say right now, like it's the it's the one Tom Cruise movie. Like it helps because you know it's my favorite movie of all time. But also when I hear people say, "Man, I hate Tom Cruise," I'm like, "Well, I have the movie just for you." Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. you know, people because people think you know they hate him because he's crazy or he's like too like like too cocky. I'm like, hey, I got this movie where he plays a, a men's rights activist who tries to talk about seducing women and destroying them, and they're like, "Oh wow, that sounds awesome." I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and he. So gives his oh all. Oh my god, he sells yeah. it. <laughs> what What's interesting is one of the rules for marketing was that um, Anderson did not allow them to put any undue focus on Cruise. Oh yeah, like, they could not center the marketing around making it look like a Tom Cruise movie. No, they it cannot. had to be sold as an ensemble. ensemble. Yep, and. Um, it did pay off. The film uh, recouped its budget and has been a perennial seller on video. Um, oh, yeah, for good reason. And, and it's entered the culture, and again, so, so much to get into. Yeah. 
So let, let's lay out the plot just as quickly as we can using what I'm referring to as the Nathan method after what my brother suggested. And I know Nathan's <laughs> going to be listening to this cast because this is a film. It really, all told, like I stopped to think about it like two hours in. Like um, there's a lot there, but if you like string each character's plot end to end, not a lot happens with each one. You're right, because I read in a comment somewhere that, like, uh, I was, you know, I was doing research after I watched the movie last night just to prepare, but, like, someone said, like, you know what, if you didn't have all these scenes of, like, if the movie wasn't stretched out, like, if it was shown in real time, it'd be, like, almost less than half the length. Yes. I'll make the same. Yeah, because you realize everything's happening all at once, and you're like, wow, like, if this actually happened in real time, like, let's say, like, you had nine screens going on at the same time and watching everybody at the same time, you're like, wow, this movie's actually not that long. Yeah. And also, that I think that really helps in you know, while you're watching it, uh, because you know it was three hours and you didn't really feel its length. No. Oh yeah, that's why I love it. Like, I, like that's a sign of a great movie for me. Like a lot of my favorite movies that are like over three hours long, like it's because they don't feel like three hours long. Like Seven Samurai, uh, this movie, uh, God, what else? Um, Titanic, I think to an extent. That Titanic, was, the right Titanic. stuff does that for me. Oh, the right stuff. Yeah, that didn't feel too yeah. long. Yeah, the right like, stuff's wonderful. But yeah, like basically a three-hour movie that feels like half as long. Yep, instant pass. <laughs> I to to go back to last week's cast. Uh, even though it's not that long, Apollo thirteen doesn't feel two hours twenty minutes to me. Yeah, I still gotta rewatch that because um, it holds up. Yeah, that's that's a good one. What's funny? Uh, just a quick aside. What's funny about Apollo thirteen is. If you read uh, the book, if you read the original, like, the Jim Lovell Lost Moon, and then go back and watch the movie, you will su- it's funny because you will suddenly understand every single technical aspect they talk about in the film. Oh, that's funny, actually. Yeah, it is. It's like, I know what that is now. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that movie's basically just a giant research document. Um, hey, it can't but, hurt. Nope. So let's let's get into just really... We're going to have to speed through the plot as quickly as we can to do the riffing. This is an ensemble movie, and it's one of those movies where everybody is connected. Yep. This was not the first of them. It will not. It was not the last, and we're going to address that later. Mm-hmm. But it's um, certainly the best. Yes. It's just simply the best. Um, the movie centers around a number of characters. Um, I guess the first that we'll focus on is uh, the dying Earl Partridge, played by Jason Robards. His final um, role. His final role. And, man, talk about getting to go out. Oh, man. Yeah. Very few actors get a final role this good, but... Yep. And he also died of the same thing, lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, hey, like, at least he had a place to pull from, you know? Oh, yeah. Robards is... Uh, he's a, a rich man. Um, we don't really necessarily ever find out what he did, but he was wealthy. Mm-hmm. He's dying. He's being cared to cared for by Philip Seymour Hoffman, who actually plays a character named Phil. Yep. Yeah. Phil uh, Parma. Yeah. Phil Parma, I think. But yeah. Yes, Phil Parma. Parma. Yeah. Well, uh, there you go. Yeah. And um, he's married to uh, Julianne Moore, uh, who is a woman who only married him for his money. And as he's dying, she's realizing she deeply loved him, and she is feeling profound guilt about having been a gold digger. As Robards is dying, he's asking for his son, who is uh, Frank T.J. Mackey, played by Tom Cruise, a character that is just 
just you just know when you're watching this character, he's <laughs> going to become an iconic character in pop culture. Oh yeah. I mean, he is a character who back even 10 years ago, you couldn't really describe what he is because we didn't really have the language for it in the culture. He is a men's rights activist though. Mm-hmm. He is a pickup artist. Yep. That's and, the worst kind, like amped up to a thousand percent. Yeah. No, I have to disagree with you. The saddest part is he's not. Really? Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I, I was reading your Facebook messages after you, Albert finished watching it. Like, you know what? Austin's right. Like, it's not exaggerated <laughs> right now. It's, cause... it's one-to-one. He yeah. is. Like, the, only is... Thing that, the only thing that seminar was missing was, like, a, a section on video games. Yes! Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't big enough in 99. I'll... No, they weren't. No. Yeah, but, but I'm just, the only thing I can't get out of my mind, like, when watching those scenes is, like that picture he has up on the back wall of oh, the wolf and the and yeah the rabbit. or the, the, the not the rabbit the cat the yeah. cat and the mouse yeah it's like wow that's just shit <laughs> yeah he is a character who is easily the worst mm-hmm. the worst um, well at first he's worse at, at first but then once you watch like near the end of the movie you realize oh wow yeah so, there's we'll say what that is of course but yeah uh he his seminars again it's just it's he's 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 a pua he's a pua yep. he is the proto rush v he is the he's all of the these guys um and again and then you've got um a number of other characters you've got john c riley plays a cop a do-gooder cop he's a do-gooder cop but we're not led to see, think that he's all that good at his job nope he winds up uh, going to investigate a murder that we do not ever technically find out what really happened about. True. No. I stopped uh, while watching the movie, like that little kid's rap. Uh huh. I actually stopped to try to dissect it. Oh yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> I couldn't. It's it's still like after you watch the whole movie, you're like, okay, that kind of fits. Yeah, yeah, because he talks about the worm, and that's what the guy's name was, and yeah. Now, uh, Anderson himself, he admits that that's the most elusive part of the movie. And in fact, he had a, a bunch of scenes he wrote with more scenes with that kid and the worm himself. But he uh-huh. realized, like, but then he realized, like, you know what? Like, I, sh- I should cut it out because, you know, like, this whole movie's about, like, re- explaining characters' motivations. But I just want this one part to remain elusive because there has to be at least some mystery there. It's in the so, printed script. It's in the printed it script. Uh, the short answer is it was the kid's father. Um, yeah. But that's real, and you can see some of those. Scenes, you can see the shooting of some of those scenes in the documentary. Oh, you can, yeah. Like there's yeah. a restaurant scene where they're shooting. Yeah. Uh... But but anyway, you've got that character, um, and he uh, goes to investigate a domestic disturbance while at the murder, and winds up uh, picking up a woman for a date. Uh, she's um, played in a really stellar performance by Melora Walters, who sadly never really got to do much after this. I movie. know, right? Like, I just feel like, she's, wow, she's so good. And she was good in Boogie Nights, too. She was good in Boogie Nights? I don't just know. Like, yeah, it's like, it, well, in fact, I read I read somewhere that she had a really, really small role in The Master. Oh. She she played, like, one of the, like, uh, patrons, like, who was coming to Phil Seymour Hoffman's, like, you know, uh, meetings or, or, or like, like the... His- cruise or whatever well not the cruise but like when they were in that house and like they were like oh yeah doing all those tests and stuff like she's like a really small role there so i guess she's still good friends with anderson but i'm just like yeah. still like she should have been this should have been her like launch pad like she should have yeah. been 
like in the scenes where he's like uh uh making joaquin phoenix like walk from one end of the room to the other yeah like those scenes yeah and when when, like they're doing the back beyond stuff i think that was yeah so Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, anyway she's really good in this um then um we find out that her father um the wonderfully named jimmy gator played by philip baker hall um in just a hell of a performance oh my god Um, yeah we're going to say that a lot. I'm, there isn't a single bad performance in this movie. No, absolutely and not. Pretty much everybody's great. Um, and Paul, that's, Paul Thomas Anderson has always been a great actor's director. Like he yeah, always absolutely. pulled oh, the yeah. best of, of them. And like, you realize like, wow, he's actually trying like to get them to act here. And mm-hmm. he's great for that. We find out that she has a very difficult backstory with her father. Um, and a scene that I'm going to talk about at some more length later on. Um, oh, okay. But um, we got to get through this plot because there's just yeah, so right. much there. Mm-hmm. He hosts a game show um, in which uh, it's a it's like one of those quiz kid, you know, what do kids know is the name of the show. <laughs> Hollywood stars and celebrities. Do they know things? Well, they know. Let's find out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The current reigning uh, kid that's dominating on the show is um, Stanley, who has uh, an abusive father of his own. My Anderson really does like that trope. Oh yeah, that's probably why I love him. Like I love directors that either have a disdain for father figures or the patriarch because like it's 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 worth like you know poking fun at or not poking fun yeah. but you know criticizing because boy you can do a lot with that. But anyway, go ahead. What's What's interesting is uh, from what I've read, Anderson didn't exactly have that relationship with that's, his. Yeah, that's what's that's what's fascinating is that he loved his dad. Yeah, that's they were actually this movie. He named his production company after his uh, dad's old role, even. Yeah, Goulardi. Yeah. Yeah, he was actually, yeah, they were actually very close. And But, you know, that's not uncommon. I tend to write asshole fathers in my scripts. And, <laughs> it's just, it's just so and I talk about my dad all the time. <laughs> yeah. But, it's well, it's I had, a good trope. It's a good trope. Yeah, well, I had the opposite, so it's even easier for me. So <laughs> I'll leave awful. it at that. <laughs> yeah, we're not getting into that. But anyway... He's got an asshole father, um, and we sadly get a glimpse into what his future could look like when we see former quiz kid Donnie Smith, played by William H. Macy, who is in desperate need of trying to get money to get braces that he thinks he needs so that he can impress a bartender. His subplot is a very, very sad one. It is. Because he is deeply in love with this... uh, hunky bartender and by the way the fact that he's gay is something that the movie doesn't even really do what it, it's just it's there. oh yeah yeah, yeah it doesn't make yeah. a huge deal about it like it's especially just, in the late 90s that's great yeah yeah it's it's just it's a very casually it's a thing that's there if it was to be a woman that he was trying to be to do this for it wouldn't be played any differently no, um absolutely not and really it occurs to me that's something that anderson throughout his career uh, looking back at Philip Seymour Hoffman in uh, Boogie, Boogie Nights, Nights, yeah, he has yeah. such sympathy for that character, and yet the crush can't be requited. No, nope. but he does have such sympathy. Um, yeah, it's great. But but yeah, Macy's character is a sad, sad sort. Mm-hmm. Also, see. we get a uh, we get a uh, nice. I can't really call a cameo because he's in several scenes, but Henry Gibson is there. Oh yes. yeah. Yeah, oh, Henry Gibson's great in the movie. He's great, which is also it's a it's a great little tribute that Anderson puts in because you know Gibson was in one of Robert Altman's films, Nashville. 
And oh, Robert, Alt- Robert Altman is a huge influence on uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, especially with this movie, because, you know, because people say, like, I haven't seen it yet, but I guess Shortcuts was a big inspiration for this. But, like, that you know, Henry- Nashville big time. Oh, yeah, well, Nashville, too. And I was going to say, like, you know, Henry Gibson played a, a crucial role in Nashville, so it was just his way of saying, hey, I love Robert Altman, and let me just put him in here because I, I like him so much. So <laughs> There's, There is a cool story. At the end of um, – on Altman's final film, he was – the studio knew he was dying. Uh, So they needed, so for insurance reasons, there needed to be a backup director in case he died. And they got Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. (laughs) Because Anderson, which, uh, a, I guess Anderson did know Altman and B, um, Anderson's, uh, longtime partner was actually in that movie. was actually in Prairie Home Companion. Um, Oh yeah. I thought that was, I was going to ask which one was that, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. So there's kind of, so you've got all, and of course, you know, Shortcuts has its own casting reference in the form of uh, Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore, yeah. That was one of her first big things that she did that people paid attention to. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so there's... Yeah, I think we ran the whole cast, didn't we? Yeah, so you've got all, all right. these great A-list actors playing off of each other. And so you've got all these plots, and you've also got a number of very recognizable faces in small parts. Alfred Molina has a quick shot. Oh yeah. There's a very quick shot of Thomas Jane in the movie. Yep. Very and there's, and there's two uh Marvel Cinematic Universe alumni. Or at least like at the time there was uh you can if you pay attention you see Clark Gregg. Yes. As, oh. as, as one of the as the TV coordinator and the camera guy. And then and then uh, and then twice you see Pat Healy who uh, he plays like the, well, I, I know he's not as big as Clark Gregg, but he played one of the Hydra guys in Winter Soldier, but like, I just thought it was always funny. Nice. But he plays the guy who gets killed by Greenberry Hill in the beginning. Yes. Oh, and, and uh, Pat Oswald yeah. is also. Yep, <laughs> Pat yeah. Oswald. But um, awesome. and then um, he, he also plays the the young pharmacist that uh, uh, Julianne Moore goes to see. Yeah, and that, oh, that's such a, oh, that scene. That's a great scene, yeah. This movie is basically three hours of having your emotions just beat the hell out of. <laughs> Pretty much. Yes. So you've got all these plots just sort of orbiting in a nucleus, and they all there's interconnection for some, there's interconnection for uh, others, mm-hmm. but they're all just sort of orbiting over the course of this one day. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's some there are some central connectors like the you know everybody has the quiz show on. Which we find out Robards produced. We find out, yeah, yeah, in a very subtle way. Yeah, yeah, you have to look carefully to see that. But he is listed as uh, the producer on it. See, that's part why I love the movie is that like it's not the the movie you can watch only once because like the thing is when you watch it like enough times you realize oh wow there like these there's these connections that I even think about that like actually accentuate other things that I didn't even think had that much meaning. So yeah, that's one of them. I did. I did. We'll get to it, but I did uh, read some of the uh, trivia page on IMDb for this, and oh, it's fascinating. Yeah, whew, there, yeah, he put a lot of detail into this movie. Yeah, he really took the attitude of he knew that he had one shot at a blank check. Yep, he knew that he had one chance. Although actually, his career has proven that he's had plenty of chances, before. several. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he knew that this was his best shot at getting to do whatever he wanted to do and he really took advantage of it um, he did because this movie i mean i guess the first thing to say really about it is that this movie it really is a hard sit 
at the same, even though it's such an easy to watch film, it is emotionally trying. It is like you, you haven't like, if you like, if you, if like, uh, if you've lived like past like the age of 20, like there's at least like, or hell, like I watched this movie when I was 16 and I, and I like so did I. Re- related to so much to it. So if, even if like you're a teenager, you, you, you can at least relate to at least one part of that movie like heavily. But that's what's great about it is that it encompasses so many gamuts of human emotion that you can relate to at least one of them. Yeah. So you feel just, I mean, because this movie, again, as I said at the start, there's no ironic distance on this movie. There's no, well, these people are doing this and we're glacially observing it. Um, no. I, I think so much of that has to do with Robert Elswit's just oh yeah devastating cinematography it um, is and and the way the film is like edited it just that's part of why it feels so brisk is that it, it's such a great pace oh it's so well cut yeah i mean of course if we're talking about editing i have to think about i know that long tracking shots have become something that everybody's been started to fetishize and worship and it's becoming more of a gimmick yeah and it's becoming more of a gimmick because people fail to understand that there's a specific reason to do it, which is emotion and yeah. to put you in a scene in a frame of mind. This movie has one that is one for the ages. Um, oh, and yeah. Anderson almost always has at least one really great one in his movies. I've noticed. Yeah. Uh, he has, uh, a, lot of, he has yeah. a lot of the tracking shots in this one. Well, I, I'd say the the one he had the the most, the best amount of tracking shots was Boogie Nights. Cause you oh, know, yeah. the opening to the movie, the pool scene in the movie, that one had like, the most uh, of his career which is you know the, the best so the thing i like about all the tracking shots in this movie is you know nowadays most of that would be either like computer simulated oh or, yeah digitally edited yeah yeah and that yeah and as tracking shots you can feel the weight of the camera like absolutely it bounces yeah. up and down as it goes toward its subject it's like that's real that's you know and, and another cool trait is that um, he's not afraid to have the camera go out of focus. Right, that, exactly. Like, when he's when he's like having like several shots of characters going in and out of focus, like it just shows like wow, we're actually it looks like I'm actually looking at a human being. Like yeah, right. So he, yeah, he's it's very visceral. It is. It is such. I mean, I think about that one central shot where it's tracking through the studio. Oh yeah. And, and the mood of this scene is tension it's incredibly frenzied it's incredibly it's nerve-wracking and that's entirely what the tracking shot conveys uh and, and john Bryan's score helps out a lot yes. yeah uh this is I was gonna mention that <laughs> yeah brian has saved movies that so did not deserve being saved let me point out i heard huckabees yeah, that's exactly oh. the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> that's not pretty much the only thing of that movie I liked was that the score was like, "Hey, this is kind of reminding me of Punch Drunk Love," so that's kind of cool. Yeah, I guess. yeah, he had a really good score for it. He had uh, he had a good song on the soundtrack. Um, My, that's about uh, it. The first time I really paid attention to him was um, um, uh, Paranorman. Oh, yeah, was he on Paranorman? Yeah, yeah, he he Paranorman. does the score for Paranorman. Oh my yeah. god, I gotta watch that. Yes. You need to watch it, period, because it's I know, great. I know. I've been it's meaning so to get around good. to it, but, like, wow, that actually really piques my interest, so. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets to do some cool stuff with it, because, of course, it's a, a horror comedy, so he gets to have some fun. <laughs> that is, yeah, that, that sounds amazing. Yeah. From, from yeah. the opening notes, because it starts with a, uh, a stop-motion uh, recreation of a bad zombie movie. Yeah, oh, yeah? Yeah. Complete with, like, a 
complete with like a uh, glances fake, to I mean, the camera and whatnot. That's funny. <laughs> and it like it even kind of reminded me a bit of Grindhouse because you've got like a logo <laughs> at the be- the beginning. Oh, really? That's, that's awesome. Yeah, there's a there's a boom in the shot at one point. Nice. See, I got watch. I'm planning to rewatch that or not rewatch. I'm planning to watch that because uh, what's Lake's new movie coming out? Something the Treasure Hunter or something? Oh, uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah. Oh, that's it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking back to that movie with Rinko Kikuchi that came out which last I've heard, week. Oh, yeah. Which I've heard is excellent. So Yeah, like they have really similar titles. So that's why I confused yeah. the two. But, no, <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be out in August, I think. Yeah, that one looks amazing. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, I'll, they... I'll, I'll probably go back and watch Lake's other stuff so I can prepare. So yeah, I'll yeah. probably get the paranormal yeah, by then. Yeah, each time, they, each time they make a movie, they up, they up themselves by uh, one notch. And that yeah, right? one just Yeah, that one just looks like they are going all out. Cool. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean you so yeah, you've got the score is so good. Of course we have to talk about Amy Mann's music because that was oh, yeah. that heavily inspired the movie actually was um Anderson wrote while listening to her stuff and incorporated several of her lyrics into the film. Oh yeah, absolutely. And of course it all builds to this one musical number where every oh, single yeah. person in the movie just starts singing at the same time. And as as beautiful as the scene as it is to us, like that's and we have to admit, like, this is, like, the part where if you're watching it with somebody who hasn't seen the movie before, that's, the, that's like, the first sign where, like, either they, they're, like, starting to, like, really, like, oh, wow, what is this? And then right. then there's the other scene, which, you know, we're not going to get into, but... Not yet. Uh, well, not yet, I guess, but... Because, yeah, it's kind of well-known at this point, I guess, amongst people. We, we, always, we always take the assumption that past one year, we're going into full spoilers. Okay. Well, that, this that's has been, like... Yeah. 17 years at this point yeah right okay so, <laughs> yeah all right never mind you've that. had time to see it okay so um so like i was saying like uh it's, it's it's the start of this scene and then combined with the scene later i think is where people start to lose um not interest but you know they start to lose like their There's investment of disbelief yeah because because yeah. I, yeah. I showed my brother this movie my younger brother and um he was mostly quiet throughout like the t- first two and a half hours and then when that scene happened and then when the other scene happened, he audibly went like, "What the fuck?" You're talking like, about, this, yeah, of yeah, course, and, and about it, the it, uh, frogs, right? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah Even though, though the movie myself. gives you constant setup that it's coming. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. In fact, in, in fact, uh, an arcade machine in the bar is frog. Frogger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always yeah. love that. Uh, I did subtly catch one of the Exodus Eight Two references, one of the many Exodus Eight Two references. Oh yeah. In there. And uh, there's, like, a book on the table. You know, the kid has, uh, you know, all his books spread out. And uh, some uh, something 82. And then the cover is uh, something that was shot in, like, a place called Magnolia. I forgot. But the town was called Magnolia. It's oh, that, like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. Like, a lot of people ask me, like, why is the movie called Magnolia? And I'm like, well, it's very, it's kind of the same way. Not the same way, but, you know, it's similar to how reservoir dogs as the title it is like it's catchy but the thing is like magnolia actually has some um meaning to it because you know there's that myth where if you eat magnolia flowers you get to live forever and then uh and uh, an interest another interesting one is that the uh when john c raleigh and william h macy are in the frog rain near the end they go under a mobile gas station which was once called magnolia petroleum Hmm. (laughs) yeah wow and, and then um, most of the rooms, if you if you pay close attention, most of the rooms in the movie have at least one painting of a flower. 
yeah. in every room. So yeah, there is so much detail. I mean, this is a movie oh my God. to go yeah. through with a fine toothed comb, uh, which is what we're yeah. doing today. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, this, yeah, I mean, you're right that that is the moment that people they'll either check in or they'll check out. Uh, I know Joel Siegel uh, famously d- dubbed this uh, his pick for the worst movie of 1999. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I, oh my god. Which he did this on. Uh, he did this uh, when he was filling in for the late Gene Siskel on. Um, oh, and at the movies. Yeah, on at the movies. I had no the idea. Look on Roger Ebert's face when he <laughs> I, says I that. Bet. Uh, yeah, Roger because loved it. Yeah, because like, Ebert gave it four stars and, and he praised his great movies. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ebert praised it to the sky. I think the only reason uh, I know he had being John Malkovich as his best of that year did, list, yeah. which, but but he loved a lot of movies that year for good reason because '99 is still the best year for movies, I think. So it's probably the, it's the best I think in living memory. Um, Definitely. It, and the thing about it is to think that okay, not only are you not only is it was it not one of the worst movies of that year no no it was one of the it was the absolute best of that year so that makes it it even worse yeah but i gotta go back and watch that because all right uh can i find a video yeah it's uh dot org uh all right awesome he was just like what (laughs) (laughs) like was it as big as a reaction like because i know he had a a few good reactions when he was talking to Siskel because Siskel had a few crazy things yeah. he used to say too. So I, I can't wait to watch that. So yeah, no, thanks for telling me. It's yeah. Cause it's just, I mean, but no, but yeah, for a <laughs> lot of people that and the reign of frogs is the big, like, Oh wow. Wait. Like, yeah. Well, we might as well talk about the reign of frogs while we're on it because oh, I, totally, yeah. I love, I love the bit uh, where, you know, it's happening. And by the way, I watched this on a, uh, surround system Ooh. <laughs> yeah so when that starts hitting like yeah um uh, the subwoofer went nuts well, yeah well bum, even when that bum, first frog well even when that first frog lands on uh john c Rye's windshield yeah. like, what the fuck like, it's whoa. like oh shit yeah. and it's all and it's all bloody and yeah you know and then all of them start coming down it's like shit <laughs> yep also uh just real quick um me and uh austin we had a conversation a few a uh, few weeks ago on facebook about how like you know, as much shit as Titanic gets, like, the use of CGI in that movie is, like, amazing. And, like, it just really, like, shows how invested you are. Uh, the, the the frog rain in Magnolia, like, uh, if you watched the That Moment documentary, he actually used a lot of CG for that mm-hmm. scene. I wondered about that. <laughs> well, it was, a mix of, it was a mix of CG and real, like, fake frogs. So, yeah. and it, you would never guess. It looks amazing. The only, the only time I could tell, and, of course, they, you know... They would have to do it. This like the one where the frog, the bird's just, eye view. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, bird's yeah, eye yeah. view, and it uh, like the one where it's tumbling towards the guy's skylight. Yep. That's yeah. It. Yeah. That's like, that's... but then even then, you 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 buy it because it's such a right. small effect. You're like, oh wow, that's a frog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it really it's it's very effective, and it is to me both of those moments capture something that we discussed on uh, an earlier cast, which is. The idea that these moments happen because the movie has built to such a high... It was a, JJ's theory about musical numbers. That they happen because the story builds to such a high emotional point. Yeah, it's a crescendo. It, it's crescendo. And that's exactly yep. what it comes off as. Absolutely. 
like like people ask like why did they have that like the movie would have been great at, without that like no it wouldn't because there's nothing th- there's nothing that would have built up to like what else could it have built up to yeah. right but yeah like i was saying um uh there's a moment when uh in one of the apartments where like the um claudia yeah she lets in like her mother who's come to see her yeah and uh there's and there's a picture on the wall yeah there's a picture on and the camera does like a weird like focus, uh, yeah, like yeah, zooming, zooming, zooming yeah. focus thing, and it's it's like effects that can only be done with like a long lens. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah and and it zooms on this painting, and it says, "But it did happen." And yep. then after that, Stanley, the quiz kid, he's in the library watching this happen. It's like this is something that happens, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's the just thing is, in and awe. It is because <laughs> when you when you look up that like after you watch the movie and look up some stuff like there were reported cases of like a whirlpool or not whirlpool like a whirlwind of like a storm would blow over the swamp and actually rain frogs on a nearby town yeah hall, so, exactly well, actually hall said that he was that he lived through it himself yeah so <laughs> i mean and and that's <sighs> but the thing is like you can easily take it easy as either that or just a biblical thing like because yeah you know, the a2 references and everything but it's just that's what I love about it is that like even if there's no sense for it, it makes sense within the story. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it has a purpose. Well, it wouldn't work if it didn't make sense. If it did, if it wasn't just such a logical crescendo, and it's a moment yeah, that unites I mean. people, yeah. and it winds up having such an impact on so many of the characters. Uh, Absolutely, and it brings uh, some together. It brings some. It, it it seals the fate for some characters. Yeah, so, yeah. Because it because it occurred to me, and it was, uh, and I saw this point out. We don't ever really find out what happened to uh, Gator. Yeah, we don't ever find out what his fate was. Uh, See, uh, this time, you know, like, um, like I said, like every time I watch this movie, like I get some kind of new out of it and think things over in a new light. But that part, I always think over the most because, like, I, I like this at this time around. I always think, like, you know what? Like, I feel like that's Anderson's way of saying, like, that the frog prevented him from escaping his own guilt and. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 what the short circuit in his house that's pretty much sealing his fate he's gonna like burn to death so he <laughs> goes out yeah. in a way that's not quick and painless so i, I yeah he has that. to suffer right. and, and by, by the way, way we, oh, i'm sorry um no, i was go just on. gonna say um we, while we were talking i just realized something you know like he's the host of this quiz show you know what what do kids know i find it really kind of creepy now that like you know uh right when you think to bill cosby yeah the right. host of his kids show I'm like, yeah, Damn. it's like he, he molested his daughter and it's like, well, he's been working that that took me like a few minutes to kind of put together. It's like, well, he's been working with kids all this time. Yeah. Shit. One of my and favorite way, things. And the way he looks at Stanley is like you know, sometimes Stanley and him share these looks and you're like, oh, man, there's something going on here. One of the things that I think is so interesting is when he says he goes to her and he says, you know, I'm sorry. And she's like, don't you remember? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah, you realize he probably really doesn't. He doesn't and, no. But the thing is, realize he knows there's some matter. guilt there. Yeah, it doesn't matter because it doesn't uh, matter because the. I mean, the movie doesn't make it particularly ambiguous. No. He definitely did it. I mean, he did. And and the, the way Claudia reacts in the opening, not the opening, but like you know the first scene they share together, you're yeah, like yeah, there's clearly just, something going on. Yeah, it's like get you're in my bedroom right now. Get the hell out. <laughs> yeah, get the it fuck out of my house. Matter. I mean, I and and it's it's interesting, and because when you think of the sad internet debates that we're having about this, that so yeah. many would argue, well, if he wasn't in full consciousness, no, the movie point blank says it doesn't matter; it doesn't make a damn bit of difference. No, he's guilty. Not at all. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
there's a and i feel like that's the like you were saying how the movie like how anderson kind of doesn't judge characters most of the time i think that feels like the one time he did that's the one time he does and it's because that's the one thing and that's it, definitively wrong yes and it's deserved so that's that's fitting so yeah well actually um i'll, I'll even uh interject and say like um stanley's father like uh his character i feel like he's the other character i think the movie really kind of like bitterly judges because oh yeah, yeah. Because the way the movie, by the end of the movie, you realize, wow, this movie's about how if the sins of the father really affect children and how they become adults. So Stanley's arc is how, like, his dad's screwing up his life. And and, what, how, and Stanley realizes, so he says, hey, dad, you gotta be nicer to me. So, But you don't know if he's, act, but, you know, the way his dad reacts, you're like, wow, he's not, not really gonna take those words to heart. So you realize, so Stanley's, like, another kind of, like, damaged child in the making, really. So, And that's the sad part, is because you realize... He said this, it's probably not going to make a damn bit of difference. Exactly, and, yeah. Probably not, but at least now he's going to be, you know, standing up for himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. he realizes that. Yeah. Which is the difference between him and uh, Donnie Smith, who, yep. didn't. who didn't realize till late in the game, yeah. Oh, and the his other... parents robbed him blind. Yep. Yes, some of the other characters that the film kind of does put some judgment on are the other kids in the quiz show. Yeah. Because they're kind yeah. of... They're kind of horrible little human beings at this yeah, point. Yeah, spoiled, yeah. Yeah. I think that was the movie trying to say, like, you know, trying to differentiate, like, what's a pure child, like an innocent child, and what's, right. like, a child that's already corrupted, like... Right, so, exactly. So, after you watch the movie a few times, it, like, it really does become really clear and, like, really fascinating to watch. Yeah, the more we talk about this, the more I really want to go out and buy this movie. <laughs> oh, oh, that's one of the great things. Like uh, Austin said, it's a good seller on home video. Like the Blu-ray is like only ten bucks. Like anywhere yeah. you find it, it's not one of those Blu-rays where like, man, I gotta wait till it drops in price. Like, no, it's no. always it's always cheap. It's right. always cheap, but it's always rewatchable. And I mean, oh my god, yeah. There's just, I mean, and yeah, and you know, and of course, the movie completely judges. Um, the movie has sympathy for Robard's character, but it doesn't let him off the hook for what he did. No, absolutely not. Right. And it lets him model his monologue. Like, oh, I was about to get to that. Oh yeah. yeah. Go ahead then. Yeah, go that ahead. Because nice. that one line that he has about they say that life is short, and it's not. It's so it's damn long. Yeah, and it's like you, and they say that uh, you know, never have any regrets. That's bullshit. You know, have those regrets, hold on to them. And use them. Yeah, that's like one of my favorite monologues in a movie. Oh, it is. Like, it is it's so passionate. You and you and you can tell that Robards like got it from a sense of his own pain, and like it's just so good. What's What's interesting is um, Robards was the original choice for the role, but because yep. of health reasons, had to consider not taking it, and yeah. the part was offered to George C. Scott. Yep. I was about to mention this. <laughs> Who declared yep. it one of the worst pieces of shit he'd ever read? And um, he like, right, right, exactly through the script. <laughs> so it goes to show, yeah, the script doesn't really respond well to some people. No, <laughs> and uh, although knowing what I know about Scott, he's he always may, been that kind of. Like, he may have read it and had a little bit of trouble with the fact that the character was a little too similar to himself. Um, oh, really? <laughs> everything I've read suggests that Scott was very much that man, um, oh, man. except. Except not having the realization. Uh, I've, That's I've read too was, funny. I've read he was kind of an unsettling person. Um, yeah. See, my favorite tidbit about him is that when he won the Oscar for Patton, he wasn't at the ceremony. He's like, I'm just going to stay home and watch hockey. <laughs> yeah, like, that's win, what he did. If I'm going to win, I win, but I'm not going to be there. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that and he did. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, he that monologue is so great. And again, the fact that yeah, this was Robards in his final role. Yeah. 
just you don't get to go out better. I nope, mean, not at all. He is so you can tell that he's a man. You can tell that he has no illusions about his marriage. No, nope. he knows what it was. Yeah, he has no illusions. He has no vanity. He has no. He's completely aware of the fact that he failed his son. Um, his backstory is that he walked out on his son's mother while she was dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has no illusions about it. He was terrible to her. He was. He's hurt so many people along the way. And at the end, he just wants one last shot to reach his son. And it's such a great performance. And it, God. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, now, so we were about to get to Tom Cruise. I, I let's finally do it because, God, I've been wanting to talk to Wow. So where, we, where do we start, huh? That hair. Let, <laughs> before we get to the hair, let, let's just get one thing out of the way. Tom Cruise lost the Oscar for this movie. He did. Uh, oh, my God. By, now, I know that the studio said, let's, you know, that Anderson said, let's not hype him over anybody. All the same, this was a performance that was going to get an Oscar no two ways about it. Yep. Um, but, yeah. He lost to Michael Caine for the Cider House Rules. Oh, okay, just... well, well, before we get into that, uh, I'm sure you, you were going to mention this uh, at some point, but I feel like as great as 1999 was, the Oscars sucked that year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> while we're on it, let's do that. Um, yeah, go ahead. First of all, I hate American Beauty. I've yep. said that repeatedly. I, I hate American Beauty. I hate, 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 hate American Beauty. Yep. So... Um, number two, um, the Oscars, uh, let's see, being John Malkovich was overlooked. Um, I don't even know if Charlie Kaufman was nominated for the script. I don't even think he was. I know Anderson was nominated for this, did not win. He lost to American Beauty. Um, yeah. Middlest of fingers to there. Um, Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, let's see. Eyes Wide Shut was completely overlooked. Oh my God. Yeah. That's um, two, two great Tom Cruise movies in one year by two phenomenal directors. Speaking of, I guess that's how Cruise got onto the project was that yeah, uh, Anderson visited yeah. the set of Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> what an uh, honor. Oh, yeah. The, the only David O. Russell movie to have held up even remotely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's that right. That got overlooked. Amazing. Like that's a, that's what's ironic is that like a Russell's worst movies are getting all these Oscar nominations and his best yes. movie. I don't even like the film all that much, but let's face it, Fight Club was completely overlooked. Oh, oh yeah, well, well, actually, there's an interesting tie-in for Fight Club to this movie because when Anderson was making the award season rounds, he hated Fight Club because you know <laughs> he he hated how the movie treated cancer. Uh, and, yeah. And he's just like, and he, and he actually called out David Fincher. He's like, hey, dude, like, fuck you. Like, I, my dad died of cancer. Like, you shouldn't treat it like that. But, 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 apparently, but apparently, since then, they've patched up. But I'm like, wow, that just goes to show how seriously he's it's mature. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you've got all of these amazing films. Um, and I, we could, I could even keep going. Uh, Toy Story 2 could have easily Toy been. Toy Story 2. Oh. Uh, well, at least the Iron the, Giant. Least, uh, the Iron Giant. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, well, at least uh, at least the Matrix like cleaned up the technical awards because it did, you know. which I I can't grab about that. Um, uh, I mean, Phantom, got... even Phantom Menace, even though like um, you know, Phantom Menace isn't a great movie, but I think the visual effects and stuff to that were was deserving of some technical stuff. Yeah, but, you know. but I understand why the Matrix won. That was... Yeah, of course. But but I mean, you've got all these movies that were so amazing, and okay, I love the Sixth Sense. All right, I'm not Sixth Sense. Yeah, Sixth Sense. Is I'm great. not. Here's the thing. 
I'm glad it got a uh, supporting actor nomination. I'm glad it got a uh, screenwriting nomination. Yeah. But in retrospect, you look at all of the movies that had to get overlooked for it. But none of that pales next to the Cider House Rules, which is going to bring <laughs> me back to my original point. Go, yeah, go ahead. Guys, I love the John Irving book. I think the John Irving book is brilliant. I think Irving's works are amazing. Irving's books do not make movies. <laughs> Let me ask. Irving does magnolia style works about one person and one life mm -hmm. you know these big sprawling epics about a person's life that do not make for good movies so irving won best adapted screenplay for a honestly not very good adaptation of his book and yeah. michael kane in uh, michael kane did a better american accent in secondhand lions than he does in <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? Second Hand Lions isn't that bad of a movie. No, Second Hand Lions is awesome. I really wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't being I ironic. Yeah, I love no, that yeah. movie. Great. Well, no, I just don't know how it feel. I just don't know how people feel about it because it was one of those DVDs that I randomly bought like in the bargain bin and that when I was a kid and I watched it. I'm like, yeah, this is a good movie. Like, I like those it. that those have seen it loved it. Um, Berkeley Brennan making a uh, a artist cameo. Yes, he does. Yes, yeah. he does. Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Did the comic strips, which is that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, so I love Breath. I'm a big fan of his work. Oh yeah, this and I'm loving his current Bloom County revival. He oh yeah, killing it. Oh yeah, on oh yeah, I gotta check that out. <laughs> yes. uh, so okay, so you've got all of that going, and Kane beat Cruz in a performance that Kane is just mediocre in that movie. Cruz, yeah. on the other hand, this if Never ever a if ever a time for the Academy. To have just gone on ahead and rewarded a star, it was this moment. Absolutely. Because like, this is the best thing Cruz has ever done by a large margin. Absolutely. Well, even, well, even then, like, I, I'm actually a big Tom Cruise fan. Like, you know, I am like, too. That's the thing. That's and so the thing is, like, I think he's been great in a lot of other movies. Like, but, but here, yeah, you're right. But, like, I wouldn't say as much of a, as a large margin as you saying, but, like, I feel like, yeah, it's definitely his best performance. But, well, I think that it's just that this is such a, I don't know. I mean, multi-layered yeah. performance. Yeah, one of my favorite moments in the entire film uh, with him was right after he gets out of the interview, he goes back to the seminar. Yeah, the camera <laughs> yeah. just kind of stays on him, other than cutting away to the yeah. how to fake like you're a caring, understanding. Oh person. my god, that's a great scene because you can like read yeah. his face and you're like, wow, he's kind of being like torn down on the inside. There's gotta be a moment where he he slips up, and then when he does, it's yeah. like, and then. And it's, it's also really funny uh, hearing the reactions of the crowd. You are here for me to enlighten you, to edify you, to send you off into the now not-so-unknown future. So come along with me. How to fake like you are nice and caring. No, I, I don't want a microphone. But let's get down to brass tacks. Let's get right down to it, boys. Let's get right down to it. Men are shit. What? Men are shit. Well, isn't that what they say? Isn't that what? Because we do bad things, don't we? We do horrible, heinous, heinous, terrible things. Things that no woman would ever do. No, women, they don't lie. No, women don't cheat. Women don't manipulate us. Yeah, they're like they don't know how how to re react. It's like men are shit. Right. Like men are bro. shit. Women don't do this. <laughs> women don't do this shit to men. 
But yeah. then he tries. Then he tries to spin it to get back to his original point, but he realizes he can't. So right. that's when he realizes like he flips the table over. He's like, "Yeah, wow, I, I kind of got broken down." Yeah. I go to your blue booklets right now. I want you to turn to page eighteen, and your blue booklets. Fucking bullshit! I want you to go to your white, your white books. That's what I want you to go to. Go to 23 in your white books. How to fake like you are a nice and caring person. And, and what's interesting is in that sequence, this entire character, again, it's so fascinating to me because in 1999, that wasn't really a thing. Uh, no. There was a guy that Anderson had seen. And oh, was in- Andrew, Andrew Dice Clay? Uh, no, it was an okay. actual uh, no, no, similar though. But it was a guy who was a pickup artist who oh, did okay. seminars like this, oh, and yeah. Anderson got wind of it and thought it was amazing. Had to put it in his film, mm-hmm. and crafted this character using tapes that this guy. That's why this isn't a parody. This is no. really dead on exactly how it is yeah um, well I, I guess at the time you know maybe the cry was exaggerated at the time but now you're just like wow that they're not any different from the game is, yeah this is this is uh prescient <laughs> it is precedent that's that's uh, for sure it is extremely y'all will have to bear with the dog in the background it's fine, that's all right. that's fine. it is extremely just dead on he doesn't miss a this is a character that the, I think honestly, the difference between this guy and someone like Rouge V is this guy might be a better person. Is yeah. it? it's a scary thought. Yeah, but you sense how much this this guy, to a certain degree, is putting on an act, whereas those guys aren't. No, yeah, and that's what's so unsettling. And Cruz, he in nineteen ninety, I don't even think we can understand anymore with the destruction of the star system just how major of a star he was in 19. He was, that's the thing. Yeah. It's like he he was like 3 years out from Mission Impossible. Yep. Yep, one year out from this well, 6 months out from the sequel. True. Oh yeah. Uh, well, even though that sequel wasn't good. Yeah. Boy, that <laughs> franchise that's a franchise that they allowed to keep going long enough to get good. That's Yeah, so right? All there is to say. And now it's 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 like the fifth movie that's that's reaches peak. So <laughs> and well, we'll see what happens with the sixth one because uh, Macquarie's coming back. I know. I'm so excited for that because yeah, uh, they they have a good connection there. Um, they do. Well, that's the thing. What that's part of why I like Cruz is because like when he's involved in the movie, he's involved. Like he'll take the producer role, but he'll also like help out. Like he'll choose a director. He'll help him out with stuff. He'll he'll like negotiate with the studio for stuff. Like he's a really cool guy. Like, yeah, it's just, he happens to be a Scientologist. Or, that's the thing. And of course he tries to do as much of his own stunt work as he can. Oh, as, that too. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Which really, if you watch, it occurred to me while we all think of, okay, the big Epic stuff that he does. If you watch, um, whatchamacallit, um, I'm trying to think, uh, edge of tomorrow. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. God. You can see that he does take a lot of hits that, you wouldn't usually see an actor take. He no, takes yeah. just a lot of the smaller stuff, and it really does add it, it, realism to the film. And, and, and even then, like even though he's the headliner of that movie, like the abuses character takes, like it's kind of mm-hmm. like unheard of for like a, a badass kind of character that you expect Tom Cruise to play. Oh yeah, oh, so, Ed, Edge of Tomorrow is awesome. It is. I'm going to uh, probably take this moment to edit in a clip. Here it is. I will drop kick the fucking dogs. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I can't do anything about it. Oh, I understand. Just, I know, but it's just we'll have so to perfect. Just ride this out. It's fine. It's but just I mean, so perfect, though. But, but I mean, yeah. But I mean, in this movie, the thing. Getting back to my original point, he has. There is no ego in this performance at all. Oh. This is a raw, naked performance. Yeah. There's no sense of I want to look like a huge star. In fact, he makes himself look like the worst human being possible. In this yeah, and, and there's even a scene where he's in his underwear, and still you're just like, yeah, he's he's kind of making himself look like the biggest piece of shit. Yeah, so. yeah and that's admirable <laughs> when you can it do is. that. It is. He does. Uh, he he. Has, um, since also has had a history of doing that, like his role in uh, Tropic Thunder. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah he that's makes so himself good. looks like look like the biggest piece of shit as a Hollywood producer. Yeah. <laughs> and... Oh my he just, god! I don't know. The guy has he has a willingness, and God, that's that scene with him and Robards at the I end. I was just gonna yeah. say that's probably the one scene I relate to the most. Like, I mean, I won't go into details, but like, the thing is, like, I've been in that position, some like in another form, but it's just that, like, I'm I'm pretty much Cruz's character, where I'm just like, I've had this this like this resentment for so long, and when I actually have to confront it. It's just, he did it in like the, the most perfect way possible that you can imagine. Just someone yeah. in that position who's had that history. It's just it's, it's a perfect scene, I it's, think. It is. And one thing that I really do that really strikes me is the movie does away with one cliche that we would normally expect, which is, OK, he's he's an MRA. And usually in a movie like this, they give you the re- explanation that, well, he's been horribly abused by a woman in his past. Uh, and it's no. just the opposite. Nope. Yeah, that's what I love about it. Mm-hmm. Is that he actually he adored his mother. He, yep. he cared so much for her, and he's scared. He's scared of feeling anything. Is what it yeah. comes down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's what. In fact, like on this recent rewatch, like I felt like, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, but now, like you know, because of the recent Gamergate stuff and everything, I just felt like you know, I, I'm not thinking this is the backstory for every person like that, but I, I feel like Anderson did provide a great like. Re- reasoning for how someone could turn into that kind of person so yeah i mean this really ugh. and i think the scary thing for me and this is my real genuine thought is i wonder how many of those guys actually look to this movie for inspiration because yeah. i have a scary oh uh, see like that's what i wonder too but the thing is like all right i'll play devil's advocate and say the movie like has so much other stuff going on that i feel like that wouldn't be the one thing like i mean I, this is me like having the most like i'm being like my most optimistic right now but like i'm just like okay like there's so much other stuff going on in the movie i feel like they wouldn't walk away with just that yeah i feel like the movie does a great job of showing you know what this is actually wrong then like you know what but you know what i've been wrong before because you know there's (laughs) my 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 brother uh, has classmates that are wanting to be jordan belfort so i don't know oh wow that's (laughs) like like the movie says strange things happen all the time yeah right (laughs) i will say this then 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 let me rephrase it i have a feeling that they've seen clips of this character yes that's that you know one thing that i do want to touch on because i really do want to go into some depth on this is john c Riley's thread really does fascinate it 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 does like it's his best role it's his best it is easily and it's just it just goes to show just because like how great he is at playing an everyday guy who's really humble, who has a few quirks, but you know just like he's just and he's always been that way as an actor. Like he plays yeah. like either the goofy guy, the man child, you know. But he's always so good at it, and he's always been one of my favorite actors just because he can really flip flop between that. There's yeah, you know, there's a point kind of you know at the beginning towards the middle where you feel 
almost feel like the movie is kind of going to punish him for being the way he is, but it really doesn't. Yeah. No, it doesn't. In fact, it's really it's really cathartic when you know the frog rain kind of subsides and then his gun just drops from the yeah. sky. <laughs> yeah, just, it's kind of like yeah, it's like a, it's an, it's a whole another religious aspect to that too, or biblical aspect to that too. Because yeah. like it just goes to show, hey, you, you served a purpose. Here's your here's your yeah. like uh, thing back, like the, yeah. the thing that keeps your job. Yeah, right. And and he was and he was a religious man. So oh yeah 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 and he then... prayed and uh, it happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's interesting is in another movie, the date might be seen as uh, evidence of, you know, like, oh, well, he's doing this thing that's really not ethical, even remotely. No, but you, yeah. But you really think he doesn't really, he doesn't know much better. No. There really is an innocence to it. And the chemistry they have and God, that last shot of Walter's face. That's the last, that's one of my favorite final shots ever. One of my favorite endings ever. Just, it is, and the fact that like, and the fact that Amy Mann's song, uh, Save Me is playing. Yeah. It just makes, it just makes you want to listen. I mean, yeah, sure. Some of this drown, is drowning out John C. Riley, but that's intentional because it's making you want to really listen to what he, he's saying. Cause you care about what he's saying. You really want to see what he's saying or hear what he's saying to her in terms of like how she should be a great person. And in fact, if you turn on the subtitles, you can like, see everything he's saying but the thing is like the the, the 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 point is is that like you know the song's playing over it i mean it's a great song it and is. you're seeing claudia's expression but the thing the general gist is like yeah john cr is basically telling her you're a good person like you, you shouldn't be ashamed of this and yeah it's just such a great way to close and out her expression because oh it tells God. you everything that you need to know about what's going to happen to these characters yeah it gives just you the general just... yeah just the general thing you learn from this movie just like hey you know what it's, it's gonna be hard but there's going to be some hope yes and that's like part of why it's my favorite movie of all time just because it instills that feeling in me and just every time that final shot and it just cuts to black like by the way i always loved how paul thomas anderson he's one of those directors that he always has the same sort of ending like he always smashes cuts to black and that, yeah. that's what i love about it and he does it so well so i love how you know like it's 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 a constant in his movies especially here I'm finished so. I'm finished. Yes, yeah. I'm finished. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my god! Like Which, he's so good at that. But I will point out, man lost the Oscar in maybe the only uh, one of these snubs that doesn't actually piss me off. Oh yeah, uh, Phil Collins for Tarzan. No. Sh oh wait, she lost. Wait, yeah, Phil she, Collins. She, yeah. I thought. Okay, never mind. I'm going to scratch that because I thought in my mind I was having that she lost to Randy Newman for Toy Story 2. In that no, case, no. It in was, that uh... case, the biggest. <laughs> In that case, let's get the middle finger back out. She should have <laughs> lost. She should have lost to uh, Randy Newman for um, uh, the Sarah McLaughlin song, right? Yeah, for Toy Story Two. She should have lost for that. Yeah. And See, but here's the thing, though. If 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 he, if she won, we wouldn't have gotten that great South Park episode. That's right. That's oh, that's say. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I, <laughs> well, they I shoved the Oscar now, right now up I his ass. ass. I like yeah. the call song, but it sure as hell isn't this. No. The thought that came to mind um, after the movie was over was, you know what made God's Not, Not Dead just completely worth it? <laughs> if if that rain that happens at the end was frog rain. Yes. <laughs> that would have made it so perfect. That oh is my such God. a perfect transition to the point that I wanted. Yes, I was just going to say, like, get let's, on. let's get to movies that try to be Magnolia, but can't be. Yes. Let's, okay, okay, let's, let's address... Um, 
Okay, Anderson, of course, was trying to do shortcuts and uh, Nashville. And Altman in general, yeah. Altman, you know, he's going for Altman, which, awesome, because he actually yeah. had the right, because he actually earned the right to be trying to go for that. Absolutely. The people that have tried to do this style of movie since almost... Failed miserably all failed. at times. So, I mean, just off the top of my head, I'm going to list some movies. Um... Uh, we're gonna stay away from romantic comedies that try to do this, but we'll okay, I was, was gonna mention yeah, I was gonna mention those, but yeah, go ahead. I mean, let's face it, we know that Love Actually was trying to be romantic comedy Magnolia. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then and then after that, Valentine's Day and New Year's were trying to be Love Actually. And now yeah. Mother's Day. Did you see that trailer? Oh god, there's another <laughs> one? Uh yeah, uh, Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall's Jesus turning Christ. around. <laughs> well, here's the thing though, like what it's funny because Around the time I first saw Magnolia was when Valentine's Day was coming out. So <laughs> after I watched Magnolia, I'm like, "What the fuck is this Valentine's Day shit? Like, people should be watching this. Like, yeah, why? Right? About this? Like, and like, that's what. And just real quick, like, just like that's what kind of pisses me off about Magnolia's existence. The only thing that pisses me off because you know I adore the movie, but the thing is, like, like it's just such a shame that like people flock to these other movies with hyperlinked characters. Like Crash and Love Let's Actually, and yeah, God's Not Dead. I'm just like, why are people selling for the bottom barrel of this subgenre when they can watch a movie that actually change could change their life for the better? Like exactly. Let's talk so, about Crash. Yes, go Crash ahead. Is the movie that really tried to be Magnolia, and it won Crash. Best Picture. Yes, it did. Yes, it fucking and, did. And Magnolia didn't even get nominated. But yeah, Magnolia yeah. didn't even get nominated. Crash won Best Picture, which. We're now 10 years out from that decision having been made. We are. And I want to make it clear. I thought that was a terrible decision 10 years ago. I think it is an unspeakably yep. awful decision now because you look at um, Brokeback Broke Mountain. Mountain. Broke yep. Mountain on its 10-year anniversary. I noticed so many people were talking about that movie and about how it affects them, about yeah. how they're still thinking about it. That wasn't just a movie for that moment. No. That's – a movie for all time. That's an all time great. And Brokeback and you, Mountain is broke. And you know, yeah. And you know what's sad is that I remember when Bro Brokeback Mountain came out, and I still remember people talking about how uncomfortable they were leaving the theater. Like, why are you feeling uncomfortable? Like, because you're seeing two sad. guys having sex together? Like, damn. Like, okay. Funny uh, story about uh, that movie. That movie came out the year that I had um, probably one of the best college classes I've ever had, which was the film theory and criticism. Uh, I actually took that, I was a sophomore, and it was like a junior and senior level, uh, so I'm kind of proud of that. Um, oh, cool. But that cool. was the movie that uh, our professor, uh, Dr. Poe, hi, Dr. Poe, if you're listening, um, I'm still in touch with him, I, I, he's one of my favorite teacher in college. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be an X-Wing pilot, would he? No. <laughs> Poe? <laughs> no. <laughs> but anyway, he that's the movie that he uh, chose to focus on for the class. And, okay, cool. And we had class in um, a movie theater. Uh, oh, the, nice. Yeah, the Tivoli Theater. Over, I had several classes in that theater. It's a nice nice, nice little independent art house. Uh, and with one of the classes, we just straight up watched uh, one, of their show, one of their public showings of Brokeback Mountain. Mm-hmm. Great. And, so, nice. I'm, yeah. I mean, but, but getting back to Crash, Crash... Yeah. I think the problem that so many of these movies have is that they try to be about a theme. They try to be about an idea because the filmmaker has an overriding idea and they want to express it. And Anderson really doesn't. 
I no, mean, has, I mean, at least not like a ideas. centerpiece. Yeah, he has he ideas. Has, that's the thing. Plural ideas. Like that's the thing. Like he tries to encompass a whole a lot of things, and that's part of the key. Like people say, oh, the movie's messy. I'm like, hey, I'll admit the movie's messy, but it's messy for a good reason. Like it's life it's is messy. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, that's part of why like um you know people still have a hang up about the frog rain or or Dixon or the the, the worm stuff. It's like, hey, life doesn't answer everything. Life doesn't, and you know, so you've got that. But with Crash, it was all about racism, and it just slammed it into by white, Yeah, by a white guy. <laughs> by a white guy who had no idea what the hell he was talking. Absolutely this, not. It, Anderson was depicting, the you know, television production was such a key aspect of several, you know, and, the, and performance was something that was so big in this movie. Yeah. And that's something that Anderson actually understood. His father worked in television. Yeah. Yep. So... But in this, but yeah, to me, Crash is the the thought that Crash has be, become what it's become. You know, of course, it's quickly getting forgotten. I'm I don't hear yeah. anybody. Like usually, there's a TV series apparently, but I don't hear anybody talking about it. Was about it was it. terrible. Yeah. yeah, it was one of Dennis Hopper's last projects too, which is a shame. Uh, That's a shame. By the but way, I mean, uh, quick quick correction. Um, a few. Uh, minutes ago, I said that uh, magnolia, like the reason why part of why it's called magnolia is because if you eat magnolia flowers, you live forever. It's not because you live forever; it's because it cures cancer. That's what oh, it's that makes a lot more sense. Yes, it does. I had to look that up because I'm like, wait, that's yeah, it, it right, does so. have a cancer uh, fighting ingredient. Uh, that is yep. true. Mm-hmm. So you've got that. So you've got this. All these movies that have come out, God's Not Dead, which. Mason, I congratulate you if you haven't seen it, by the way. I haven't, but the thing is, when you describe that ending to me, I'm like, this is my least favorite movie on principle, just because... Right. Don't ever watch it. Listen to our cast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm going to listen to it. Don't don't get me wrong. It's just that, that, like... Just to find just the just that Facebook message you sent me, I'm like, wow, I hate this movie. Right. (laughs) The fact that I read this. And we're not even conveying how awful it is. I know. But you compare that to this, and it's just... It's the difference between a fine well-bottled wine that has been aged and preserved and a bottle of Thunderbird. Yeah, right. (laughs) A a bottle of Thunderbird that's been sitting in the sun for a year. Yeah, right. That's what this movie, I mean... See, like, with Crash, like, I feel like, you know, even if you take out all the offensive race tackling stuff, like, just the way it's made, it's, like, laughable. Like, that scene oh, where... so like, stupid. The, the, like, the way that Sandra Bullock slips on the steps, like, that that came out of, like, a Tropic Thunder thing or something. I'm like, that's, oh, like... Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, wow. Like, that was... We were supposed to take that seriously? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, the, the filmmaking we... in that is terrible. And they even tried to have their own... They even tried to have their own sing-along thing with it. Not sing-along, <laughs> but... No, oh not God. sing along, but they had a song playing near the end where every character was like, they realized like all at the same time they had their own thing going on, but the, and this really lame song was playing. It's like, hey, you don't have the right to do okay, that. Okay, I will Fuck. actually, I will actually give the the music in the film at least some credit. There's two pieces of music in it. There's one that sucks, and there's one that's actually quite good. Okay. But the problem is, is that the uh, good one is playing over scenes that are so profoundly offensive that yeah. it actually makes me angry because it's yeah. the music that's playing over the scene where Matt Dillon. Saves a woman that he molested the night before. Not and she's like, yeah, oh my god. Oh, I hate that movie so much. We, I know. we, we may be, we may be overdue for a cast on Crash. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I have gone ten years without seeing it. I have heard a lot of discussion of it. I've heard enough discussion now that I'm probably going to have to see it. Just 
to see but, what it's all about. We're going well, here, well, we'll see. Here's the upside is that I think by now the consensus is like, yeah, it's an awful movie. Like people don't go back and defend it saying, right. oh, well, it should have won Best Picture. Like, no, everyone's like, yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Everyone at the I'm, time, I was at an Oscar party when I saw that. Oh, yeah. And then when yeah. Jack and everybody, said, everybody in the room was like, Crash? Really? What the fuck? And even Jack even when Jack Nicholson said it, he was like, wait, what? Yeah, like, <laughs> you could tell he was ready to say Brokeback Mountain, which mm-hmm. he, it was, which to be fair, wasn't even the best of those films that year. No, which uh, I, I would say Munich was the best. Munich. Yeah, Munich, definitely. Yeah. It was up against, like, Munich. It was up against Capote. It was up against... Capote's um, way better than Crash. Oh, yeah. Capote's, I mean, Capote's excellent, actually. I yeah, really actually... And, I also uh, believe it was up against Milk. Uh, no, 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 Milk no? was 2008. Milk yeah. was 2008? Oh, okay. And Milk actually won its healthy share of Oscars, which it deserved. He... Even, no, if, good. even if Sean Penn is, you know, if you don't feel the way he, like, uh... He's human experiment. Yeah, um, but here's the thing, though, like, um... I was gonna say, go back to, go back into Michael Caine with the Cider House rules. It's like, what pisses me off the most when it comes to Oscar snobs is when they pick an actor who already won an Oscar before for a role that was actually good. Mm-hmm. And that was Michael Caine, because he won for Hannah and Her Sisters, which was Which great. we actually just talked about uh, on the last cast. And Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, we actually yeah, we... were referencing Diane Weist in uh, that, because she also won for that. And... Yeah, and, and that was the that's Oscar great. that... And that was the Oscar Michael Caine deserved. I'm like, okay, that's good. But then they give him another Oscar for something that, you know, it's not so well, good. I'm like, why do you give him two Oscars? Like, well, the for... worst part about uh, Penn winning is that he won for Mystic River when he didn't deserve he didn't it. have to, yeah. Oh, my mm. God, that movie... Okay, here's the thing. Like, that movie... I'm so glad it's we're in much, this conversation. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. That movie, like, I, I was loving it, actually. Like, especially the Tim Robbins stuff. I was loving Tim that Tim Robbins movie. was great, and he did But then the last two minutes, like, killed it. it. It was like a torpedo that sunk, like, a big battleship. Because I was just like, why the hell did you pull this? It's like, like, hey, there's no climax to this movie at all. The murder was completely random. Yeah. Nothing in this movie mattered. And the wife is a total bitch for no reason. Because women, huh? Yeah. yeah. Happy I mean, Valentine's Day. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, which reminds me, I'm probably going to find time to watch uh, Punch Drunk Love sometime today. Just because oh, I feel like it. Choice, so. um, I want to. But, I think uh, when I get off here, I'm going to start watching uh, Boogie Nights again. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. See, that's Can't the thing. After I, after I watch an Anderson movie or a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, I'm like, I got to watch another one. Like, right. It's just but like, like, I, I got to have more. <laughs> but like, but getting back to Mr. Groove, because I'm not yeah, done with this. The thing about it is, Pin 1, when Bill Murray. Said. Bill Murray. Oh my really God, Bill Murray. Yes, we're absolutely. going. I'll spoil for future casts. Um, Lost in Translation is on the slate for March. Oh yes, nice. Lost in Translation is on the slate for March. We are See, going yeah. long overdue. See, I saw your tweet. Uh, you're like, and you're replying to somebody like your five favorite movies, and like, I'm like, that's a good five favorite movies, and one of them was Lost in Translation. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. For those who were curious, it was Casablanca. Yeah. Um. Uh, Boogie Nights with the with the proviso that it can really switch out for this one. Yeah. Um, let's see. Lost in Translation. Uh, no Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men. And then I'm trying to think of what was the fifth oh, one. What was the last one? Oh shit. Uh, it was. It was five mov- movies. Um, yeah. Uh, I want to say it was something's. Uh, I want to say it was. Oh, something. Star Wars. A new Star Hope. Wars. Yeah, it's it Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> and yeah. Okay. We talk. By the way, just real quick because we're not yep, on Oscar snobs snubs. Yeah. Let's at least all agree that 2007, which was such a great year for movies, my that, God. I'm not, that, yeah, I'm not even angry that. The, at uh, least that one time they got it right. 
Well, I mean, okay, mm. like even if like you didn't agree, like the movie that did win, you're like, okay, I love that movie too. So I'm not too too. Yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel about it. It's like if there will be blood had won, I wouldn't have been annoyed, and at least uh, Daniel Day Lewis got his Oscar. Oh, see, I feel like that was the most obvious Oscar win in history. It was. And you think about the other people who's nominated for it, it's like there's no chance he's gonna win it. Yeah. And he, the thing is, I, I listened to a podcast. They made such a good point. They said they might as well have given him the award like two days before, so he wouldn't have to waste time. It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, it was the same thing when he won for Lincoln. It was like, oh really? Just, Oh yeah, felt, all the way. Yeah. Oh yeah, because really, because I felt like there was like some contention. Like I forgot who else was nominated that year, but I felt like there was this one other person that was like, no, oh, I think I thought it was pretty much a lock because he not only played such an iconic figure but humanized him. Yeah, okay. I still haven't seen that movie actually. Oh, it's um, oh, it's great. Yeah, uh, I have it on Blu-ray though. I mean, I'll I'll give anything Spielberg does a, a shot, especially Daniel yeah. Lewis. So no, and Tony Kushner's script. Oh yeah, you know, he he his Lincoln is just so. He's like your grandfather, you know. It's it's great. Yeah, right. And the thing is, when I when I saw the preview and like how he wasn't going with the the cliche Lincoln voice, I'm like, okay. He that's actually cool. tried to imitate Link, what Lincoln probably sounded sounded like. like yeah, yeah. And he wasn't trying to do a Bill and Ted. No, right. Uh, <laughs> it's such a great movie. We we are we are giving you all a whole list of movies to watch. I just yes, absolutely, yeah. To bring it back to this one and to just bring that out as the closeout. Yeah. Uh, this really, this movie, I watched a lot of movies in high school that mm-hmm. I thought were brilliant that I don't quite think the same of. I'm not as enamored of Kevin Smith um, as I yeah. was then. Yeah, me neither. I'm, I'm st- I still feel about uh, Train Spotting the same way. I, I will yeah, say Train that. Yeah, Train Spotting is good. But like a lot of mo- a lot of those movies, like I'm not quite as willing to jump to the defense of Life Is Beautiful, for example. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of afraid to rewatch that one because I liked it when one, I saw it. I liked it when I saw it. Um, I've admitted that I have a few issues with Rain Man as time has gone by. Yeah, especially, you know. The more I learn about autism, I still, yeah, think, it's, I still think it's a great movie. Uh, and, and it's a great performance, levels, technically. On some levels. But I think the autism stuff is starting to get troubling. I mean, you, you'll is. hit that on movies. That's like Yeah, they, they don't age so well. This one, on the other hand, I think... It just gets better. I, I think it does. It gets better. It stays strong. Anderson's work on it is just this just, is just this is all time. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like the ultimate passion project where you realize that he had this idea and he wasn't doing it just to show off or he wasn't doing it to like, you know, show how much he could do. He was doing it because he had a story to tell and mm-hmm. he had a place to mine from. And that's why I love about it. And that's why he's like my favorite director working, at least my favorite American director working today, because like yeah. it just shows how he has passion in whatever he does. And, and I, I, just, I, I, I love this movie, and I've been I've been told I need to listen to a commentary or two with him because he is a blast. Oh, his yeah. commentary on Boogie Nights is oh, absolutely great. his probably probably because you really strongly suspect he was probably coked out of his skull. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm reasonably certain he was on cocaine. I'm not exaggerating. I really do think. Well, that's the thing was, in interviews. He was always he's always a cool guy. Like he's always so yeah. outgoing and like and casual so yeah maybe i don't know <laughs> one of those guys he could have easily been he could have easily been an in front of the camera guy uh oh absolutely yeah he's such a charismatic guy like he's so mm-hmm. cool to listen to and yeah. uh and just real quick there's a really cool moment in the that moment documentary because you know most of it is him talking about like production stuff and it's a really good in-depth documentary too highly show. Highly yes i recommend that too you can find it on the dvd or the blu-ray special features or I think it might be on YouTube too, like in parts. I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. But um, anyway, there's this really great like 
like it goes through the whole like cycle like it goes through like script meetings it goes through like choreography it goes through like all this stuff and then it goes to the award season stuff where you know he's going to all these press junkets and he was dating uh fiona apple at the time yeah and um who he directed some of her videos too and uh, and now he's directing uh, Joanna Newsom videos, which I hear are pretty cool. Fiona Apple does make a uh, guest or a oh, she um, does. cameo yeah, appearance. The, yeah, she's the voice of the wrong number. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Karma calls. Yeah. yeah, that's right. But, but yeah, um, but there's a great moment in that moment where you know he was dating her at the time, and he he does he does this really cool little quirky skit with her where it's like it's like pretend you're Magnolia, and she's like doing this little funny dance, and then he plays the studio. It's like no, and he grabs her by the arms and shakes her like no, you, you can't be three hours. You can't. It's like he was basically playing like playing out his whole like battle with the studio, like <laughs> how like I'm like that's adorable. I love that. And it's so it it, it winds up being so well worth it. Uh, it this it, it is just it's like the best three hours you can invest, pretty much. This is oh yeah, yeah. This is this is next an all time samurai. Next to seven samurai, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that one uh, without spoiling. That one's in. That one's in the future. We don't know when, but oh uh, man, I got to rewatch gonna... that. It's one of my all-time favorite movies, also, yeah. but I just haven't seen it in such a long time. But oh, I'm sure it's great. Good. Yeah, <laughs> sure. no idea what on earth we're going to be doing next. Uh, this schedule has been kind of crazy. Let me let me do a quick look. See, I think we may be trying to recover the one we lost. We recorded we recorded about an hour of Snakes on a Plane and oh, lost. All yeah, such a loss too. Yeah, we are. I think what happened was. Um, because it happened on the last cast too, but I caught it like just as it was happening. I accidentally pressed the space bar, which uh, pauses <laughs> the recording. It paused yeah. it at eleven minutes, oh, and we man. talked for forty-eight minutes before that's, we realized that sucks. this. Yeah, so now I just I'm just on the I'm just uh, staring at the uh, at Audacity. <laughs> yeah, right. For, that's yeah. All you can do. Well, well, actually, um, uh, Austin, you can attest to this, but I sent Austin a link to a trailer for a really bad-looking movie that you guys should cover at some yes, point. The Amazing Ooh. Bulk. <laughs> like you, you like just watch the trailer. Like Austin was instantly convinced. He's like, "Yes, we need to do this." Yes. Like, nice. Yeah, that's all he'll I, say. Yes, I've <laughs> seen. Amazing I've bulk. seen. I'd actually seen the trailer before, so yeah, yeah. We that's one that we're going. You know what? I'll tell you what. When we get to that movie, yeah, we're gonna put a hold on that. You'll come back for that one. Oh, yeah. cool! Thanks. You've come the way that I see it. You've come on for a good one. Come back for a bad one. Come back. Yeah, for a right. <laughs> Bounce it out. Yeah. Yes. At least, at least this bad one will be fun to watch. It'll be a fun oh. bad one. Not oh, like yeah, it's supposed to be bad hilariously one. bad. But yeah. yeah. Next up, we're going to try and uh, fix what we lost. We are going to do snakes on a plane. Yeah. Uh, it's been, been it's been long enough now to where we've kind of cleansed our palates and we can yeah you know, right talk on it without being super frustrated yeah. <laughs> by having lost it. Yeah. yeah. A movie that you all know the hype. We're going to explain why you really should know the movie. Oh yeah. yeah. Like the story behind it, like when it came out, is actually fascinating. Like it's, it actually, it was a big deal at the time, but when you look at it now, you're like, wait, it was a big deal. Like, well, it's, yeah. because nobody, it's because nobody actually went to see it. It had all the hype in the world, but nobody actually went went to see it because they didn't know what the hell it was. Yeah, it was all internet-based. And if they'd known what it was, they probably would have gone to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, It's a super fun movie. 
Yeah, and uh, it still has my one of my favorite uh, TV dubs of all time, which is yeah, we, I, we that's that's going to be addressed. Okay, <laughs> I, I won't spoil it then. You guys can yeah. go ahead with that. But yeah, and it's it's going to be interesting to study because of course we're coming again off of a weekend where there was huge internet buzz, but that actually translated. It actually big success. Yeah. Huge, huge success. Could not yeah. have been bigger. Um, yeah. So that's that, that's awaiting us next is Snakes on a Plane. Uh, right. Mason, what would you like to plug? Um, yeah, I was actually thinking about this because um, I have a, I have a blog which is called aptly it's called So Now Then, which is the 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 name of the last title card of Magnolia. Mm-hmm. But um, I haven't worked on it in a while though. But I've, I have been meaning to get something started. So I'll try, I'll try, I'll try to get like a best of list or something for last year at Sounds least. Good. But um, but no. In the meantime, you can check me out on Twitter. I'm Mason Daniel at uh, Buddy Boy Baxter, and I'm on Facebook. If you if you uh, if you like me enough to add me on Facebook, I'm Mason Daniel under there. And um, yeah, that's about it. So, yep. And I'd guys, like to... oh go go ahead, sir. No, go on, go on. Oh, I was gonna say it was a real honor to have uh, me on here, guys. I really appreciate it. <laughs> we had a we yeah. had a great time. Um, I'm gonna do a plug before we get to the go usual ahead. plug stuff. Yes, go to Amazon. Um, and search for my name, Austin Shin, S-H-I-N-N, and you will find I have finally published my first book on Flickering Life, A Memoir of Autism, uh, a book covering my life growing up with autism, is on Amazon. It's cheap, three bucks. Good bargain. I hope you all get to read it. Uh, I worked really hard on it. It's it's a full-length book. Um, I just worked hard on it. I hope you guys get take the time to read it so that's up i'm currently in the midst of reading it and yeah i can attest it's 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 a really good read you guys oh yeah and i've known austin i've talked to him enough to know where he, he does put some good stuff in there oh yeah. yeah it is it's i tried to be just as nakedly honest as i could with it so if you want to read a book where someone really looks back at their life looks at their mistakes mm-hmm. looks at their triumphs looks at everything doesn't this is not a hey geography people this is me laying out my life and it, I tried to make it funny. I tried to make it fun. I tried to make it enjoyable. And I tried to make it so that when it's all said and done, you come away from it knowing me. So that's there. It's three awesome. bucks. Come on, guys. It's three bucks. It's, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's an energy drink. Yeah, right. Please, but please it lasts something. even longer. An energy drink for your soul. That's, yeah. I like that. <laughs> I'm all tempted right. to put that as a quote. So uh, awesome. let's, yeah, let's right? swing through our yes. patron. Let's swing through our Patreons. Uh, yeah, patrons. yeah, yeah. Our Patreon patrons. Um, yes. Uh, thank you, guys. Um, we are still so close to our website goal. Yeah. Uh, so close. So uh, close. Yeah, all it takes is a dollar. You get all the... We've been kind of lacking on the on the reward front for a little bit now, but... We're going to try and get that fixed. Um, I'm oh, going to yeah. do an X-Files cast that will be for rewards only. Oh, yeah. Um, this... Once the new season ends. Yeah, something I'm dropping today, as a matter of fact, it'll be up by the time this is up, but uh, the Star- our Star Wars cast we're releasing publicly, but on the flip side, for you patrons only, I will review the opposite movie, Road Chip. Oh. <laughs> mm. Looking forward I, to that. Yeah, I went and saw that uh, the day before I saw Star Wars. Yep, I, I, I read your exploits, I, and I very much, uh, my heart bled for you that day. Yes, it's like other people. It was funny because other people were walking in, so it's like, oh, I should. I sat toward the back of the theater, kind of anticipating other, <laughs> you know, some other people to be in there. 
Yeah. But someone sat behind me and it's like, oh, I should really put this thing away. And then, ha- then it got like 30 more minutes and I'm like, I cannot hold this in any longer. So I put my coat over my, <laughs> over the phone and I just tweeted away. <laughs> hey, yeah, it deserves it. <laughs> it does, yeah. So that's, that's going up as a Patreon reward. All right, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, all it takes is a dollar to get that um, dollar a month. But anyway, yeah, thank you, current patrons. Thank you, Sean from No Totally. Thank you, Dave. Congrats on 100 episodes. Yeah, congrats on 100 episodes, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's quite a backlog to go through. I'm currently going through his backlog. And I'm also a, patron, a Patreon supporter of his. So, yeah. But yeah, thank you, Sean from No Totally. Thank you, Daisy. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Nathan. And last but not least, thank you, Amanda. Yeah. And patreon.com slash thefilmroom. Uh, usual stuff. You can find us on thefilmroom.podbean.com. See Twitters. Uh, we are at filmroomcast. I am at primitive man prd. Often is at untitled user. Mason is at yeah. Bodyboy Baxter. <laughs> yes, Bodyboy Baxter. Yes. We have a secret Twitter that will be floating out there until around April. Ooh. Then we will reveal what that is. Finally. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Though I will give this hint. It does connect back to last year's April Fool's Day cast. Let's give them that hint to, yes. to at least play fair. Cool. That is a big hint. And that is a big hint. Yes. Facebook.com slash the film room. Uh, we are approaching 600 likes, which is amazing. We love, nice. we love all cool. of you. Find our nostalgia column. We are on 1996, uh, which has been a fun year, even in the couple months we've been doing it. Or in the couple weeks we've been doing it. Yeah, we just posted, uh, just today, I just before we were starting the cast, uh, I posted our huge mega backlog we had two weeks worth that we didn't get out guys this is this is something we're really committed to um we're gonna really look at 96 in depth um next uh by the time that y'all are reading this um or that you're hearing this we will have covered happy gilmore muppet treasure island and mr wrong don't you want our thoughts on those <laughs> oh my god guess we're not covering great movies let's just leave it at that <laughs> Yeah. Yes, you can find that on uh, thefilmroomlobby.wordpress.com. So, yeah, like like I said, it was a real. Uh, I feel honored to be on your guys' cast. It's awesome. Yeah, we feel honored to have you, man. And, oh, awesome. Yeah. Joker, huh? You tell me jokes? I'm a rapper. Oh, you're a rapper? Oh, okay. You got a record contract? Not yet. You're the cool for the bus if you show me some trust. Have you ever been to Juvenile Hall? I ain't fucking with you. Hey, 
Watch the mouth. Watch it. Come on, man. Just watch me. Watch and listen. Okay. Present. With a double ass minicus I bestow. With my riff and my purple chino hit me though. Think fast, gets me up, cause I throw what I know with the resonance. For your trouble ass, feeling the wind itself off of the back of the shelf. Jackass, crackers, body stackers, thick two niggas, master being your Hold it, homeboy. I don't need to hear that word. Living to get older with a chip on your shoulder, except you think you got a grip, cause your hip got a holster. Ain't no confessor, so buster, you better just shut the fuck up. Try to listen and oh, learn. Oh, 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 cut it, Coolio. I've had enough with the mouth and the language. I'm almost done. Finish it up without the lip. Check that eagle. Come off it. I'm the prophet, the professor. I'm going to teach you about the worm, who eventually turned to catch wreck with the neck of a long-time oppressor. And he's running from the devil, but the debt is always gaining. And if he's worth being hurt, he's worth being painted. When the sunshine don't work, the good Lord being raining. Then that shit will, will help you solve the case. Okay, whatever that meant. I'm sure it's real helpful, Ice-T. Did you listen to me? I was listening to you. I told you who did it, and you're not even listening to me. I'm through playing games. Be cool, stay in school, okay? Get out of the street now. Move it.